In the name of the one holy and living God. Amen. Early on in my marriage, my spouse and I came up with or found one of what became our favorite recipe to serve for friends, seafood jambalaya, a recipe from Paul Prudhomme's first cookbook on the Louisiana kitchen, and we made that for years. Really yummy. But as perfectionists, we often found something was just a little off. Sometimes the rice was a little bit too al dente, so we'd cook it a little bit more. Sometimes the seafood in it would be a little bit chewy, the scallops, well, we tried bigger ones, littler ones, the shrimp, bigger ones, literal, littler ones. And we never really got it quite right, but even in its not quite rightness, it was absolutely delicious. Then about 15 years or so into making this on and off, a friend came to help uh, at dinner. She decided, you know, I'll be helpful and I'll read off all the instructions. Well, great. We got to the rice and she said, put in the minute rice. We're like, wait, minute rice? that partially cooked stuff? That can't be, we've been making this dish for years. We've tried short grain rice, long grain rice, arborio rice, but never minute rice. And we didn't have any. So we went ahead as we normally did and had a little bit of that chewiness, a little bit of perfection not quite there. And the next time we made it, we used the instant rice and it was fantastic. Years and years of familiarity and love of this recipe and thinking we were doing it absolutely right, so confident in ourselves that we missed that little detail that had been there all along, minute rice. So this morning we hear, in a sense, the Apostle Paul's recipe for love. And I bet it's as familiar to all of you as that old jambalaya recipe was for us. We know it so well. And Paul writes of all the ingredients of togetherness and sacred love, who we are to be in the world as Christians. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good and to love one another with affection, mutual affection, to outdo one another and being honorable, and to be zealous and ardent in spirit and to serve the Lord. We're to rejoice in hope and be patient in suffering and persevere in prayer. And on a grander scale in terms of community, we're to contribute to the needs of the saints, to extend hospitality to strangers and we are to be loving as we engage with conflict. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Rejoice with the rejoicing and weep with the people who are weeping. And the big call to live in harmony with one another as best we can, not being haughty or better than, but associate with the lowly. And don't be 
claiming to be wiser than we are. Don't repay evil for evil. Put our minds on what is noble in the sight of everyone. And if it's possible, live peaceably, never avenging ourselves. So that means if our enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is well beyond two dozen ingredients. And we all miss a lot of them a lot of the time. But even when we're missing them, even when we're only able to do a few of them, that's love that's flowing through us and is yummy to the world. Every ingredient is not something that we self-generate in our own little isolated pods. Every ingredient comes from God, and through the Holy Spirit, we're empowered to make them part of our lives. And our job as Christians is to live them out. Let that love that's so freely given to us without any reserve, totally accepting of who we are, we are to let that love out and share that love with others. We are to let that love shape us and guide us and help us let the world taste the power of compassion, of transformative and saving love. Now, this is not something we grow into or we do alone. Like my friend in, in the kitchen who essentially held up a mirror to us of where we were falling short, unbeknownst to us, we have this community of faith. These gatherings, be it here in church or online or in Bible study or making meals, singing, these gatherings we can discover ingredients of love that maybe we're missing. We also may discover the ingredients of love that we may be really gifted at sharing. And we come to this table every week to feed in the ultimate banquet of love, Christ's body and blood, Christ in the world, the divine meal in the here and now. And this glorious meal was actually perfected on the cross in suffering and in the trampling of evil and death. This is a meal of death, resurrection, and ascension, a meal of eternal life and of new life. And it's a meal of love that we partake in regularly that liberates, transforms, and saves us and can do the same for the world transforms us, liberates us, saves us, so that we in turn can feed others. We need this return week in and week out. There's a New Testament scholar, Israel Kamandanzu, who writes of Paul's vision of love and justice from the perspective of an African from Zimbabwe formed in the legacy of colonialism. And he writes with that leg, bearing that legacy and seeing the wounds of it around that love is an art, an art that can grow, that we can learn, and that can be taught to us. And this love among the body of Christ and 
among the body of Christ to the world has always been needed. And it's much needed now so we can cherish diversity, that we can help create a breeding ground of more love. Genuine love, Christ-centric love, has a power to undo warped manifestations of love. The wounds that our world and our nation bear, wounds of enslavement and exploitation, oppression, those wounds have often been wrapped up in justifications that use the language of love. Well, this is for their good. Well, this is for the betterment of the world. Churches are not exempt from wrapping words of love around oppression. You only have to read the American theologians who wrote terribly eloquently about justifying slavery as part of God's plan and to uplift those lowly. And we don't have to look far in our own lives right here to see where the beautiful recipe of love is not being shared. Now, love is not shared in perfect environments and at perfect times. In the gospel, we hear Jesus declare that to follow him means to take up one's cross. Take up one's cross. Move into that love that is in the cross. Move in with love into the heart of suffering, into the heart of conflict. To bring that love that seeks justice and forgiveness, reconciliation and peace right into the heart of conflict and strife and pain. And this is not take up your cross so you can suffer for suffering's sake. This is take up the cross of the wounds of the world with love. Bring this recipe of love. Take this love that we have been given through Christ and share it out with the world. That that worldly love can again go in us. We can rejoice with Christ. This is how we are transformed in Christ, that our minds are transformed and renewed so that we can be an epicenter of genuine love. There's a wonderful blessing that's said in some communities at the end of worship that summarizes in part what the Apostle Paul calls for us to do, the Apostle Paul's recipe That blessing is to go forth into the world in peace and be of good courage, to hold fast to that which is good, to render to no one evil for evil, to strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, show love to everyone. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and the wet blessing of God Almighty. Amen.